Ladies and gentlemen, we have an NBA Finals to dive into and to potentially be remembered, an amazing game too, a fantastic finish, a lesson in media critique, all that and more next. We're also brought we're brought tonight's episode of the Educated Ignorance Podcast is brought to you by the Four Frequency Sake Podcast Network with new episodes of Card Subject to Change every single Sunday. CZ the Wizard and the Honorable One Nick Bull every single week bringing it on the all of our platforms. Speaking of platforms, we're going to be changing things up here momentarily. Uh, for the for the for the foreseeable future, we are going to now be going every night on both of our Facebooks. That is the same, but we are going to now be live on YouTube. So, if you are a YouTuber, you can find us there and watch this content live on the on our YouTube channel for frequency sake. QC for all of the all of that. Uh, leave a like, share comment all of those things shout out to tommy who just dropped the like share this come join us on this beautiful sunday night because we are going to talk some nba finals also some other housekeeping notes uh if you want go ahead and follow our substack newsletter page on our website uh or you can find the, uh, the maybe the easiest way to do it is to follow us on our uh follow us on facebook and on twitter for frequency sake qc um before the before the game, our our guy Doug Green dropped some good stuff with some uh, just some thoughts about tonight's game, as well as some potential prop betting uh, information. The uh, you can go find that on our newsletter. Also, we had some NASCAR stuff drop last week for the Coke Six Hundred for Memorial Day weekend. So, so many great things to look into for that. Coming up on this episode of this pod, the Miami Heat steal and survive game two of the NBA Finals. It was an amazing game, and we're going to talk all about it. Uh, I'm jacked because after game one, I didn't know what to expect. I was a little worried, and the Heat got off to a great start tonight, and I was thrilled, and my girlfriend, who's a Heat fan, was thrilled, and then all of a sudden, Denver rolled, and I was thinking, God damn it. I had an idea that it would be a sweep an uncompetitive sweep, but in that second quarter, it was feeling very bleak and uh, who knows this still could be, you know, delaying the inevitable, but man, the way Miami rally got your boy jacked up because competitiveness excitement is in the building and the Miami heat have tied the NBA finals. Let's get to it. Let's talk some basketball.
This is, uh, I'm excited. What a game. Miami finds a way. There is a lot of different angles that you can look at when, when trying to figure out exactly why tonight happened the way it did. I think it's a couple easy things. First off, the main thing is just shot making. Um, listen, Max Struess definitely heard me calling him a Section 8 after Game 1 because I thought that he was going to Harrison Barnes himself into the nebulous, uh, but that was not the case. Miami was able to build an early lead and to and have a cushion that lasted. Granted, it lasted for what felt like two seconds, but they had a lead partially backed off of Gabe Struess, or excuse me, Max Struess's excellent shooting. Four for seven, I think, in the first quarter. And if I'm not mistaken, he didn't score again uh, in the game. He shot four of ten overall. But just for the fact that. I thought that there were some possibilities, especially with Tyler Hero potentially coming back. Um, added on the fact that you you have to just find ways to have guys score. And um, in in the in the case for Struess, if he's out there and he's not scoring, his his you know just him out there, it doesn't make sense, and he's almost useless because he's not really a good defender. And he isn't a guy that has size to really make things work uh, against Denver because, you know, it's just that's the you know, that's a, an adjustment that he made that we're going to talk about tonight. Um, just just that's a couple different things. Another one. So so that type of shot making you had his shot making. It was great. Um, Duncan Robinson, which we'll talk about him in the fourth quarter. He was sensational, but. Struce early, the fact that Spolstra went to him early on and they did a great job of getting him involved. Some other things that were adjustments was the uh, the main thing for this. And a lot of it happened in the early parts of the game, in the first quarter. Now, even though that lead that the Heat had, they got up 11 and then the fucking Nuggets went on a 27 to 6 run in a six-minute stretch from the end of the first quarter through the beginning of the second quarter, and a lot of it was in the non-Jokic minutes. The Miami bench got fucking torched in that first half. Um, the, The main thing that helped Miami really get going offensively or defensively, too, to get stops was adjustments. Aaron Gordon tonight still shot five of seven. Listen, he's going to shoot. Well, in this series, especially from two, three of five from two, which is better, though, than what he did game one. He did hit two threes in the first in game number one. Aaron Gordon got switched on to smaller guys and it was an island. They did not. The Miami Heat didn't come over to give help. They did not come over to uh for any sort of rotation. Anytime Gordon got into those switches and those post ups. It was man on an island, mouse in the house, and Gordon went to work. In this game, early on, they would have Kevin Love come over to help if on a switch. They'd have Jimmy come over to help if they got on a switch. So anytime Gordon was able to get his mismatch, whether it was on a screen, namely it's Gordon just busting his ass and being the first guy back down the floor, they were able, the Heat were able to adjust. They did not allow Gordon to just pick apart underneath in the one-on-ones, I think the majority, two of his three two-point makes were lobs in this game. In the first quarter, Jokic had that like turnaround hook shot that in midair he turned into a pass, 
and Gordon went up and dunked it. And then he had another lob under the basket in the third quarter, I believe, going left to right. So it's a, a completely different game in that aspect from where Miami in the first quarter of game one got down nine or 10 or whatever it was because a lot of they let Gordon get 14 points in the first quarter, 12 points, whatever it was. And it was just easy baskets. He'd get down the floor before everybody, get switches, get seals, easy money. Bob's your uncle. Layup is good. In this first half, first quarter, an adjustment was we're not going to allow him to just go one-on-one. We're going to help, and we're going to get the ball either out of his hands or force him into tough shots, which they did. Uh, a huge, huge thing in this game that was a difference was the fact that in this, in both halves, the first half and the second half, it was a thing all game. Denver tonight was very poor on their defensive switches, their lineups, just rotations, all of those things. A lot of Jamal Murray, mainly Michael Porter Jr., being caught out of position, allowing guys to get open, clean looks. Guys like Gabe Vincent, who, by the way, through two finals games, Gabe Vincent has been amazing. Uh, Kyle Lowry, to a degree, in, in, in some stages, uh, Duncan Robinson with some of the stuff they're running with him. Uh, it's just guys, be, Max Struess mainly in the beginning of the game getting open looks because they're taking advantage of some poor rotation, ro- rotational stuff from the Miami or from the Denver Nuggets defense. So a lot of adjustments early, a lot of different things went into this game plan. Spolster got in the lab in the 48 hours that they, that they had off. And they went to work, man. You have to give, you have to give credit because, uh, be, because it's obviously they're not going to just sit there and lie down and take it. But this is a, this this Miami Heat team definitely is overmatched when it at least that's what it looked like in Game One. But tonight. Even though the talent isn't the same or whatever have you, it's going to be the same old cliche. Anytime Miami wins a game, it's going to be they're not talented, blah, 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 wooda, wooda. Um, listen, execution matters. Finding ways matters. And that's what Miami did tonight. Um, another thing, and this was the biggest thing for Miami all night long, is they turned Jokic into a scorer. This is, uh, oddly enough, in their four playoff losses this year, all four of them, Jokic has had more than 40 points. Um, the only times he scored 40 in the playoffs are games that they've lost, which that stat in, a, in itself is mind-boggling, but it is a statistic that is legit, and here is why, here's the main reason. Now, first off, credit to Jokic. He was amazing all night long. Like, he understood the adjustment, which we're going to get to in a minute, and he and he knew that the only way that he was going to be able to find ways to win was because he was going to have to be the guy trying to score, and most of the night, all night, really, he did. He only made one real bad mistake in this game, and it well, maybe two. There was a defensive possession where he tried to go for a steal, and he got burned. Offensively, though, he made only one bad play. Uh, it was costly because they were down, I think, seven or nine, and it put ended up putting them down double digits because Miami scored an extra. But against the zone, he just kind of threw it away right into the heat bench. Outside of that, Jokic was amazing. I tweeted tonight, like, I feel dumb now. Like, watching him now makes me feel stupid 
that I just neglected that he was the best player in the world for the last couple of years. He's amazing. But the main adjustment is it's it's tough. It is tough, but you have to do everything you can to just make him play on an island. His stat line tonight, 41 points, 11 rebounds, four assists on 16 to 28 shooting is bananas. It's inc- it's insane. But if as an opponent, you are more likely to win that game than the game he had the other night. Now we're talking about the best player in the world. Literally right now, even if they lose the series, I, like he's the most skilled player in the world. He's the best player in the world. He's on lists that are, you know, growing shorter by the minute. But the path for Miami is he has to shoot 30 times. He has to, like, he has to be the scorer. Here's why. Tonight's game, he has 41, 18 for Jamal Murray, then 12 for Gordon, 11 for Bruce Brown. That's the scoring output. In game one, here is the scoring output. Let me pull it up. Here's the difference. In game one, Jokic, 27, 10, and 14, 26 for Murray, 16 for Gordon, 14 for Michael Porter Jr. Even 10 points for Bruce Brown. 41, 11, and 4, you are willing to give up against Jokic. Oddly enough, crazy enough, because the rest of the team isn't involved. The Knights he has, 25, 31, like when he has the 31, 12, and 16, that kills you more than, here's another example, before tonight, the last time they lost, was game two against the Suns. In that game, Jokic, I got to pull this up. This is insane. In that game, Jokic had 53. Four, and he still had 11 assists. 53. Obviously, if you dive more into that, it was more of Booker and Durant had just outlandish offensive games. But like, I'm just saying those are the paths for Miami. That is the road that they have to walk down in order to win this series. They've done it once and they, they, they stole it. And they also survived because that fourth quarter, that fourth quarter, man, here's why they stole it. Just to rally from the 21-point swing of up 11 to down 10 in literally seven minutes of game time. And the back half of that seven minutes was with Jokic on the bench. The non-Jokic minutes, now listen, they haven't been like non-LeBron minutes in 2018 for the Cavs bad. But when Murray and Brown play together, or excuse me, when Murray and Jeff Green play together, that 
uh, that lineup isn't as good as the normal lineup for the Heat or for the Nuggets, excuse me. Obviously, how do I let me rephrase that lineup just doesn't produce as much and the offense is a bit gross because mainly it becomes the ball doesn't really move as much. Jamal Murray kind of goes hero ball mode. And that's really the worst version of the Denver offense is when now listen, Jamal Murray obviously has been great. Uh, I don't think I said this after game one, but like I'm done. I'm never going to doubt him again because in game two of the Lakers series, he went from John Starks to Steph Curry from the first three quarters to the fourth. And like since that moment, listen, I think he's great, but there had been moments where it was like, God damn it, Jamal just passed the ball. But ever since that Lakers game, listen, man, I'm never going to doubt him again. And then he followed that up by 30 points in the first half in game three against the, against the Lakers. So listen, I'm never going to doubt Jamal Murray and what he's capable of. But that second unit, usually the bad moments of the Denver offense is usually when he goes into a type of hero balls, you know, mode or whatever. That bench unit tonight for the Nuggets, it fucking murdered the heat. It did. They were Jeffrey Dahmer, Zodiac Killer levels of dead. Like, it was insane. 27 to 6 from three minutes left in the first quarter to, like, four minutes into the second quarter. It felt like it happened when in the time it took for me to make a bowl of cereal. It was crazy. And for Miami to rally from that, to be able to stand in there, when again, let's all gather around the campfire. They didn't get an, they got another kind of game from Jimmy Butler. Now, in fairness, we'll get to it in a second. Butler was much better tonight than game one. And in the fourth quarter, he had a couple possessions there which were huge. But there were moments in this game where he wasn't great. Now, all of that, though, to, to rally from that. And to get everybody to chip in, to get all the guys that played bad in game one really show up well. To insert Kevin Love, and yeah, he missed shots. He only shot, I think, two for nine. But the rebounding advantage, like again, they 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 did well on the glass again for that's two straight games. They've done well on the glass after we watched after we watched the Nuggets massacre the Lakers on the glass in the in the conference finals. So, it's just all of that for Miami to rally, to play well in the third. And then they got it to, I think, two in the third, or they tied it. I don't know. One of those two things happened. Because I think I remember telling the call. I was like, well, they tied the game. Denver goes on another run. Jokic makes all these silly shots. They're down eight going into the fourth. And then, and then just execution, man. Execution down the stretch is what won this game. Now, I said in the beginning of this show, and by the way, if you're just joining, thank you. Like this video, etc. Tell all your friends. Leave a comment on your thoughts on the game. Uh, just to say, leave a comment, say hi. Doesn't matter, whatever. I appreciate all of you. Connor Martinez, thank you for the like. Rayford Nichols, thank you. Tommy, and of course, my man Brian Blair, thank you all for joining and tuning in. Uh, but the fourth quarter was a great, was just, was domination for Miami. Now, here's what I was going to say. A lesson in media critique. Here's what I mean by that. P for those that love like sports talk radio, sports talk debate shows, all that, that type of shit. Tomorrow is going to be a lot of 
Denver lost this game. They were lollygagging in the first quarter and the fourth quarter, and Miami got lucky. That's dumb. Oh, Nuggets still in five, blah, blah, blah. Could still be the case, but the first part is nuts. It's crazy. Miami out-executed them. In the first quarter, they swung the ball. They took advantage of mismatches. They got guys going. Guys that played bad in game one made shots in game two to start, especially Max Struess were staring a hole through your chest, buddy. And in the fourth quarter, they out-executed the Nuggets. They guarded them well. They went to the zone, and it worked. We need to stop being so strong up, high strung on, on like, the loser is who's to blame. In games like this, sometimes teams win. Most of the time. Sometimes the team that wins, wins. And that's what happened tonight. That's exactly what happened tonight. So Mike Malone, I'm mad at this because I'm mad because of him for this reason. Uh, right before I hopped on his post big game press conference, he said, uh, effort. This is the NBA Finals. Blah, blah, effort. Bullshit. You just got out-executed. Now, listen, effort could be some of the defensive lapses, Watt Iota, whatever. You just got beat, man. Sometimes shit happens, okay? I get it. I understand. But it's excuses. They're making excuses. Uh, anywho, fourth quarter. Because a lot of this is nerd stuff for me, and I really enjoy it. Okay, fourth quarter. Here we go. So it's an eight-point game going into the fourth. By the way, I mentioned it got tied late third. It was 75-77, and the Nuggets then end the quarter um, on a nice little run. A couple big moments. Jokic makes a couple free throws, got the line. He makes a couple just ridiculous shots. Like Jokic in the third quarter had, what, 18? He was barbecuing. He was great. Nothing Bam Adebayo could do. Um which, real quick, before we go into the fourth quarter, I'm all over the place, but tonight is another night of the many nights where whenever I have the conversation with people when I give out my who's the best players in the league list and I have Bam Adebayo slotted comfortably in the top 20, now he probably is like 19th or 18th, but that's still comfortably to a degree, I guess. I don't know. Maybe comfortably is the wrong word, but... When I say Bam Adebayo is one of the 20 best players in the league and people want to argue with me about that, tonight is a perfect night of I grab the DVD, put it in the DVD player, click play on the tape and say, watch this, shut your mouth, understand basketball. He's awesome. Bam Adebayo is awesome. He was their best player tonight. He was their best player in game one, and he was fucking amazing tonight. Anywho, uh, the start of the fourth quarter. Uh... Miami with the ball, and it starts with the Duncan Robinson corner. Uh, Duncan's Duncan got a corner three, I believe. It was a corner three, or top, or no, oh, no, it was uh Lowry on the wing, throws it up to Robinson, head fakes, steps into it, first shot of the game, buries it from the top of the key. All right, here we go. They cut it to five. Jeff Green gets fouled. Blah blah blah. Then. Uh, Duncan, nice backdoor um, play, or no, nice swing, and he just cuts and goes. Baseline to the rim, gets fouled, and one. But he misses the and one, and Kyle Lowry. Here's, so Kyle Lowry in the first half, 
horrendous. Second half, really, really, really good. Hit a couple big shots in the third quarter to really kind of stem the tide. Um, Because in the third quarter, the Heat could never get it closer than two or three. And the Nuggets kept answering. And even when the Heat got stops, the, the, or the Heat got stops, they couldn't score. But anytime it felt like the Nuggets would score, Lowry would make a play or someone would make a play. So those were some big moments. Um, uh, it was just big, important moments in this game. And Lowry was really good. And here's another one. Beats Jeff Green to the spot. Kyle fucking Lowry on a free throw box out. Beats Jeff Green to the spot to get the rebound. Fouled. And then it sets up. Robinson gets it on the right wing deep. He's feeling it. He's made some shots. He lulls KCP to sleep, pulls up from deep, knocks it down from 27 feet, two-point game, timeout Nuggets. They come back into the game. They sub Jokic in right away. He only sits for a minute and 12 seconds. Uh, Jamal Murray shoots a three. It got blocked. Uh, they said it got blocked. The Heat played a great defensive possession. Bam is shutting off angles. The swing passes. Miami's rotating really well. I guess it did get blocked. It makes sense because Jamal shot almost at the top of the shot clock, um, and it was a shot clock turnover. Then they come back, and they run back-to-back plays, which this is what I'm talking about by execution, and, and taking advantage of Denver's struggle all night long in switching and communication. They run Bam in the high post and they run a Gabe Vincent, Duncan Robinson, two-man action. So if they, they've got, uh, imagine the, I mean, you obviously saw it, but they've got Duncan, or they've got Gabe Vincent setting basically a pin down into a curl for Duncan Robinson because there's multiple things that you're worried about there if you're Denver. Number one is the pin down immediately for Robinson to get open and catch and shoot the three. The second thing is, which is the most likely thing, um, which is Robinson coming off and running some DHO action with Bam. The next thing then would be like a curl or a backdoor. The first thing they hit, though, was they run Robinson through the curl. Brown and I think it was Murray both go with Robinson. Gabe Vincent is wide open the corner. Bang, Heat have the lead. They come right back down the next trip after getting a stop. Uh, or no, it was Jokic. Um, let me see here. Or no, uh, offensive foul on Jeff Green. So they get a stop. They come right back down the floor. They run the same action again. Bam throws a beautiful pass inside to Robinson who lays it in. They go up three and they never trail the rest of the game. It's just execution like that for Miami. Understanding their situation, time and space, and and either hunting matchups or just things that they understand. Spolster tonight was amazing for what they were able to do with the slight adjustments and able to take advantages of some holes they found in Denver's defense and offensively the or, or and defensively for Miami, the biggest one is just trying to force Jokic to be a shooter and a scorer instead of a facilitator. Um, throughout the game, or throughout the remainder of the game, it's 87, or it's 90-85 after Vincent hits a couple free throws. By the way, man, Gabe, I say it again. Gabe Vincent in this game was amazing. And it's two games now where Vincent's been pretty good. But, uh, yeah, Gabe Vincent has been very good in the final so far. 
could sound honestly say he's been their second best player. Um, but this is the point. So they come back down the floor. Bam hits a 17 foot jumper. Uh, they're up. They're back up five. Jokic makes another little short floater. They're up or they cut it to three. Jimmy Butler had just come into the game. He turned it over. And I was saying right when he came back in, like if they can get one good Jimmy push, then man, like that's going to go a long way. And you could say they got it. It was a short flurry, but, and especially bad from him, like after a bad turnover, because he has a bad turnover. Jokic gets out and runs and the nuggets go back, cut it to three, but he comes right back down the floor. They get it to him in the corner. He just pulls up from the corner for three and he hits it. And then on the other end, uh, a nice fake and drive and uh, off uh, off balance little floater, and he stops on the diamond, gets the and one, puts him up seven. Uh, this point, they're trading baskets with the Nuggets. Jokic comes down and scores again, and then Lowry gets fouled. KCP, a dumb dumb free uh, foul. He had a couple times where he fouled three point shooters. Fouls Lowry. They go up eight, and then Bam on a beautiful. Oh, here it is. Yo, this is the play I was talking about. Jokic goes for a steal, misses it. Bam gets it and drives, goes all the way. Dunks, Michael Porter fouls him and one. They go up 11. And that's more or less the game. Um, four minutes left. Um, Nuggets start to hit shots finally. Mar uh, Kayla Martin hit a odd three-pointer, which that just made me laugh. Uh because he hadn't hit shit all game, but he hit it. And he's been dealing with sickness, it sounds like. Aaron Gord, I don't know why this is, but if anyone watching who's a bit basketball nut, uh, it always seems to me like the thing you want to not give up when it when you have a nice lead, but a team hasn't hit shots lately from three, is don't ever give up a three to the worst three-point shooter because it feels like that sparks the three-point run. And when Aaron Gordon hit that awkward, weird release three from the top of the key, I just started saying, uh-oh, not good. He hits a three, nine-point game. <laughs> Lowry misses a three. Jamal Murray hits a three, six-point game. Jimmy came back down the floor and hit an 18-footer, and that was huge, 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 huge. Um, Nuggets still running some good stuff. Offensive rebound, Bruce Brown, pull up a little jay jumper. Six-point game again. Mur uh, stop off a missed three by Duncan. Back down the floor. Jamal, another three. Three-point game. <laughs> it's just, um, just some wild shit. Uh, and the final possession, a lot of people are going to be... So Blake said, why don't you call timeout? I don't mind the no timeout. Uh, I also don't terribly mind the shot from Butler. He got a great look. Uh, step back, just missed on the shot. He got Jokic on the switch. He floored Jokic on the step back and pulled up for three and just missed it. But the, the thing that really for me was, uh, you know, in the, the, the fine line in that last little stretch was would Miami foul? And Butler, they switched, they they ran a pick and roll, and it ended up with Butler on Murray, and he made a great, Butler made a really good play. He poked it away from Murray. Murray did a good job of regathering it, and I thought when he was running up, Murray was going to get fouled by Butler, but he didn't foul him, and... Uh, and... 
Murray got, I thought, a pretty good look. So, like, the questions of do you call timeout, all that thing, I don't, I don't think so because if you call timeout there, it just allows Miami to foul, and it allows Miami to set the zone up, which I know you want the zone. Maybe you would mind the zone because it'll maybe help you get a better three-point shot, but, like, I just don't want Miami to be able to set their defense there and be able to foul. That's the main thing. Sometimes I do like the timeout there uh, in those types of situations. But for a team like Denver, who's so smart, I don't mind the no timeout because, again, you're worried. If you call the timeout, it allows – if you're down two, then maybe you call the timeout. Maybe I'm a little more mad you didn't call the timeout. And that's the shot you got when you're down two. Because if you're down two, you call a timeout when you get up the floor, and then you have time. You can allow Jokic to go to work, and either he can kick it out to an open shooter if they allow it, or he can just go to work and get a basket. So like then I'm like, all right, call timeout. But down three, with Miami potentially having the possibility of fouling, if you call the timeout, they're definitely going to foul, especially that late. Then, yeah, I don't mind it. And again... You know, if you ever actually listen and hear people talk about kind of jump shooting, it's like kind of a what's a contested shot and what isn't. When Murray gets going to his left and gets to his step back with that, you know, I heard a guy talk about it and I'm doing a bad job of paraphrasing, but I'm going to try to do my best. If Danny Peel was here with me, he would be able to break this portion of this little talk down way more than I would. But when he's going to his left, by the time he gets into his step back, no matter what Butler does from there to contest, Murray, it's an open shot because shooters are, are it's all connected with your footwork and the motion into the shot. So by the time Murray gets into his step back and he's going and he's getting off his lift, all of that rhythm, it's really unbothered from Jimmy. Now, again, Butler did a great job on the switch. He reached, he poked it at, he poked the ball out of Jamal's hands and it made Jamal go back and retreat to half court to, to set it up. But by the time he got going left and got into his step back, it was a good look. So, and I thought it was going in when that ball was in the air, my heart sank. I was like, oh shit. Um, so he just missed it. He missed it. And sometimes that happens now, not all the time, not all. It's not always just a make or miss league. Uh, if you know, you know, <laughs> but sometimes that's what it is. Uh, I thought that. You know, Denver got a, a really good look off and in that spot, and they just happened to miss it. And Miami survived. They steal and they survive game two. What a game. We have a series, man. Now, going forward, what do I expect Denver to maybe do differently? I, I think they're going to try some more stuff to really hone in on trying to get other guys going. Tonight, it was clear Miami did everything they could to take other guys away with it, whether it was the amount of switching off ball, blitzing pick and roll ball handlers that weren't Jokic, especially in the second half. Just a lot of minute things that Spolster did to really turn Jokic into a one on one player. And even though Jokic barbecued um, because he barbecued would barbecue anybody right now it still was helpful for the Heat because it doesn't allow other guys to get going. It doesn't allow Michael Porter Jr. 
to get going. It doesn't allow Contavious Caldwell Pope to get going. Notice I just mentioned the two guys that were probably the two worst players for Denver tonight. And it wasn't just on offense. It was defense as well. Both of those guys were off. KCP had a couple bad moments, and MPJ is not a great defender anyway, but he's been improving as a defender, like I said the other night. It's crazy what just a little bit of effort will do for you on the defensive end of the floor. And I thought, you know, I think he's been really good. But uh, regardless, great win for the Heat. And here's here is a here's a silver lining for the Heat too. It's that you did win one of these games. So I the, here it got to the point late where it had to be a Heat win because as I stated before, for the Heat to win this series, they probably have to win it four games to three. But you know. Stealing one in Denver or this early, four games to two is on the board. They would have to win three and four at home, though. That is how they win this series in six. Uh the the sil the thing I was gonna say though, the silver the most the silverest lining for the Heat is that they won this game and Jimmy again wasn't great, wasn't a killer. He hasn't really had that type of game since game two of the Celt the first two Celtics games. I mean, he was he was awesome. Man, he was beyond awesome. In game one against the Celtics, 31, 35 points and dominated. In game five again or game two against the Celtics. 27 points, dominated down the stretch, and helped them win. Since then, his only really good outburst game was he had that nice little surge down the stretch of game six from the free throw line. But other than that, in game six, he was horrendous. And then in game seven, he did have 28 points. Um, I thought he had some really good, like he, he just the, the aggressiveness from him uh, in that game was really the difference. Uh, and in game one, he just didn't have it. He didn't play well. He wasn't aggressive. And tonight, again, I don't think this was any watershed moment for him, but I thought he was better. He was better, at least. He wasn't one of their worst players, which was nice. Um, and he was he was there when they needed, it to be, needed him to be in a couple spots. I thought the best player for Miami, again, second straight game was Bam. 21-9-4, uh, 8-14 shooting. He's been, again, when you put the tape in, it spells he's one of the 20 best players in the league. And, uh, like, he's great. He's great, man. When en Whenever anybody argues with me, which, I mean, I don't really have any Bam at a bio arguments, but... You know, this is the type of stuff you put on the television when you you talk about this guy. He's been awesome in both games. I I am a I love what he did tonight. Um, now I know defensively it's not great, but I mean again against Jokic, who's going to be great. Um, I thought you got again a great game from Gabe Vincent, um, and Duncan Robinson had a really great fourth quarter. Uh, for I was going to, oh, and the Kevin Love thing. I didn't talk about it too, too much because they start and they started him. The biggest thing was, again, the rebounding and their ability to just put up more of a fight on the defensive end. He played 22 minutes. I thought he played well. Um, 
for what they need from him, it's good enough because it just doesn't it doesn't let them get absolutely dominated in inside the entire game. Now, here's the problem though. They can't play Cody Zeller anymore, I, I don't think. Cody Zeller got absolutely flam flam flambayed tonight and he's the reason he might be the main reason the Nuggets got up eight there in the final stages of the third quarter. Uh, but the all of that tied in again. Butler, to, to the fact that they won a game on the road this early in the series, and it didn't take a miraculous 35-10-7 from Jimmy. Casual 21, four points or four boards, nine assists, 7-19 shooting. Wasn't sensational. Had a nice fourth quarter because he had a couple big plays. But all in all, there's still moments in this game where I'm like, God, what's going on with him? Just wasn't in any rhythm. Maybe when that maybe them going home could allow him to boost up a bit. Impressed. Like just impressed with the fact that they could win a game like this. Because I really thought. Now, I don't think they can win another. They can maybe win one more without Jimmy being dominant, but I think they have to steal. If they're going to win the title here, <laughs> two of the wins have to be Jimmy all-timers. It just does. Um, for Denver, I'm not like too, too worried, but you need to figure, you need to get guys going again. You need Michael Porter to be better. You need KCP to be better. Uh you got a great game from Christian Brown. And here's a, this is the one shitty thing for the Nuggets. It's like you got a good second unit type of game and you lost, which stings because usually their second unit doesn't give them much. Like their second wave of guys, it's usually uh, some odd combination of people. But, you know, Christian Brown played tonight. I thought he was really, really good. Uh, six points, three assists on three or three shooting. And you just watch the game. He was amazing. I thought Jeff Green gave some solid minutes. Bruce Brown always gives good minutes. So the main thing is you need Porter and KCP to play better. That's really the main thing. And we'll see. We'll see how it goes from there. Uh, the reason I trust Denver to still be okay and why Denver in five is still on the table is because... Their offense still, it's so fucking tough to guard. They're not phased by playing road games. They're just not. Just watch what they did in game six against the uh in game six against the Suns and in games three and four against the Lakers. They dominated. Now the Lakers games were close, but they had stretches in those games that were domination. And the the entire game of the Suns, the first half against the Lakers, and the ability to close the third quarter against the Lakers in game four and the ability to close like, like the, just those types of things. So Denver, the reason why they could still win this in five is the road games aren't going to bother them. Uh, for Miami, the path here to net is now, obviously if you can, I mean, you want it, you want it at least be two, two, but in the perfect world for the heat, if you find a way, if you can win both games at home, that's the path to a championship. Because then all you got to do is win one of the last three. And against Denver, that's hard enough. 
Um, but I'm excited, man. Not that I obviously you know Miami's not gonna roll over, but the resilience that they had, the the ability to bounce back with these stakes on the road against the best team in the league. They have been all year. They showed it again tonight. They showed it again in the playoffs. They showed it early in stages in this game. And for Miami to just still be there. And we're going to wake up tomorrow and the Miami Heat have home. Listen, the Heat, the Nuggets are still going to be heavily favored, and they should be. But the Miami Heat have home court advantage in the NBA Finals, and they're three wins away from maybe the most improbable playoff champion, maybe the most improbable championship in, in professional sports history in America. Think about it. Can't think of anything in the NBA that's close to this. The NFL, you have six seeds that have won the Super Bowl, like the Packers, I think the Steelers as well. But this in general, from Miami is one of one. You've had some runs in the NHL, like the Florida Panthers this year, the LA Kings, who won a title as an eight seed, the Nashville Predators made the cup final as a, the last team in. But for what the Heat to do, they're three wins away from knocking off the three best teams record-wise in the NBA this season en route to a championship as an eight seed. Would be pretty damn impressive if you ask me. All right, that's going to do it for this one. Uh, you guys know what to do. Thank you all for watching. Thank you for liking. Uh, if you haven't watched it or if you're catching this on podcast, of course, you can get it wherever you get your podcast. If you're watching on YouTube, like this video, share it with your friends, comment, tell all your friends about it. Uh, we will see you guys in the next one. This has been the Educated Ignorance Podcast. As always, if you ain't got your game, you best pass the sticks. I've been Joe the Show Winkle. We will see you guys on Wednesday night for game three of the NBA Finals. Miami with the win, 111-108. Got a tie series, baby. We'll see you guys on uh, Wednesday. We're out. Till then, next time, peace.